radar come be On a hippie trailhead full of zombies I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under? Oh yeah I come from a land down under y'all Down under the bottom of the standings <clears throat> It is uh of course, me, Connor Jones. It's, uh, well, it's Wednesday morning for you, October 2nd. And this is Helmet to Helmet, the unapologetically boring fantasy football podcast about myself and my league mates in our shit show fantasy football league. You can, of course, tell me how bad this show is by going, finding the Twitter, at Helmet, the number two, Helmet. Or me personally, if you really want to target the attack, at Rambler underscore Jones. I'm always willing to hear both positive and negative feedback, although it's never positive, let's be real. <clears throat> Why am I so glum today? Well, there's really no reason. I won, as promised, against your own. So that's going great. I guess it's just another Tuesday in paradise. It's t you know... Not that I can complain, but it's exhausting. It's it. very exhausting. So we'll get into it, and I can get into bed sooner here. I'm going to start off with housekeeping here as soon as I find the drop. So there's not actually a, a trade or anything to announce at the moment. However, I'm going to start dropping in our how we did this week into our housekeeping segment at the top. And uh, let's just run down. This week, of course, I played Euron. Euron being the only undefeated team in the league coming into the week. He scored an 87.7 points on a bit of a stinker on, wow, four of his positions here. We'll get into that in a bit. I ended up with 150.6. Jace and Christian faced off and what was... We'll get into this in a moment, too, but truly a, a battle for the ages of the two winless teams uh, in our league. I'll, uh, I'll explain more shortly. You had an oddly tame week from Paris, coming off of his 180-point week, as he just squeaked by 74.2 to uh, Michael's 57.8. John is, well, just continuing to go strong, 148, to uh, to our resident Chinese English teachers, 83.7. And wrapping it all up, Daniel had a low week at 88.6, and Austin came in at about his, uh, at about his average there, 110.9. So we'll, uh, we'll get into what that means for some of those matchups, of course, and which players really shat the bed. But just to give a lay of the land, we got no more teams. No more teams are undefeated. That's, uh, yeah, thanks to me. I know. You can say what you want, but uh, Paris would be 4-0 right now if I hadn't whooped his ass. And, well, same for your own. So, currently we got John and your own. Paris and Austin all at three and one. 
at the head of their respective uh, divisions, as we do divisions in our league. Coming in just below them, myself, we got Nathan, the aforementioned resident Chinese-English speaker. And we have Daniel, all at 2 and 2. And then wrapping up, we have Michael and Jace, that is former league winning Jace, at 1 and 3. And Christian just sailing it on in at 0 and 4. Now, I will give credit where it is due. Christian has outscored on the year, points total accumulated, three other teams. So there's really no reason that he should be 0-4, other than the three teams he played definitely outscored him in those weeks. Uh, otherwise, once again, I brought it up last week, he's redeemed himself, and I'll explain how, but Jace had previously had the lowest points scored total. He's crawled his way back up, still to the bottom, but by much less. So we'll move ahead. We got a... Uh, quick question here that came in from Austin this week. I would appreciate more variety from who is suggesting these quick questions. Your own, I know you're listening now because, hey everyone, yeah. We uh, we had your own reach out to me and he uh, he let me know he couldn't hear my shit talk at the end of last uh, last week's episode, which is entirely my fault. I could tell that it was not quite balanced. But it was like 10.30 at night, so I, I decided to say fuck it. Uh, that in mind, your own, you may not have heard it, but I know you hear the rest of this. So, no excuse for not chipping in, shooting a, a uh, Twitter message, anything. Let me know what you need to know from these quick questions. Anywho, Austin asked, which team will remain undefeated the longest this season? Now, I'm I'm no homer, but Austin is. And he followed up this question by immediately saying, just kidding, it's the Pats, 17-0, ha 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 ha. I think kind of forgetting that um, there's 16 games. Because one of those weeks must be a bye. And just just to make sure that I'm not misquoting the often eloquent Austin. Oh, excuse me. He said 19-0, which means that he's including playoff games. Fucking prick. And when I said I'm no homer, I, of course, am a total fucking liar. Uh, I'm a huge 49er fan who are also undefeated, although by virtue of a bye. Uh, so I will put an asterisk on that on that one. But we play the Cleveland Browns this week, and I'm not feeling too scared about that one. I'll, I'll explain why in a moment or two. And of course, the Chiefs, who, uh, man, they just seem to never give up. They, they get challenged. They'll have a shootout. They will have, quote-unquote, starting running backs go down. Um, and they'll just keep going. So it's... I haven't taken a real deep look at the schedule for any of these teams because that that's ultimately the deciding factor in how long a team's going to go undefeated. I know just by virtue of A, they're the 49ers, and B, our division, the NFC West, looks to be one of the most competitive for 
a long time, if we're being real. Um, I really don't see the 49ers squeaking by. I mean, they have Browns and then Rams. Now, I mean, you could you can argue, okay, maybe they'll maybe they'll cream the Browns. Let's hope. But Rams will be a tough game. Then they get Redskins and Panthers. We've seen that the Panthers won't just lay down. So, I I say if it's not week 6 that they see their first loss, it'll be probably week 8. Um if they can somehow get through all of that, then first of all, I won't be here. I'm going to just be attending every single game I can because that doesn't, that hasn't happened in my lifetime. But, uh, <laughs> um, then they may very well face some, some headwinds at home when the Seahawks come to town. But you know what? All in all, the Niners look like they'll be pretty strong. The question to me is more that what's going to happen between either the Chiefs or the uh, the Pats. I know the Pats have, on paper, one of the easiest schedules of the year. Chiefs are about to face the Colts. That's not a challenge. The Texans might be able to put enough down, although their defense is not nearly so good. Broncos, Packers, if the Packers can bounce back from being absolutely porous this last Thursday, uh, they might be a challenge, but that's Week 8. And then you're talking Titan, uh, excuse me, Vikings, then Titans. If the Vikings can't, I mean, what that Vikings game, not a primetime game, so Kirk Cousins might not have shat himself yet. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking, the Chiefs are good enough that the Packers and the Vikings aren't actually that scary uh, in terms of, you know, being defeated. Now, of course, all of this with a grain of salt because, holy shit, you know, like, Jace was horrible, and Jace eventually had to get a win. So, uh, you can, uh, NFL teams can lose to anyone, let's be, let's be perfectly honest. But for the question at hand, who's going to really last the longest? I'm just going to read off to you the next three games for the Patriots. At the Redskins, at home against the Giants... At the Jets. I, I literally cannot emphasize how unfair that is. That they have, in their first seven games of the year, I don't think they had a single challenge. You can say what you want about the Bills, but like, Jesus. After that, they face the Browns, the Ravens, and the Eagles. So, in theory, they may not face a... Uh, they may not face another winning team. I, I'm counting the Bills as a winning record, uh, despite how early it is in the season. Obviously, it's a, a technical winning record. I'm not trying to disparage any Bills fans out there. But we're talking, they're not facing, maybe maybe the Browns can scrape it together by then. M maybe the Ravens can hold up. Um, and that's weeks 8, 9. And then the Eagles were, are likely going to be their first, like, true above 500 caliber team they'll face in week 11 so uh, again anybody can lose at any time i think the pats have the easiest route of it as in their next few games are least challenging but we'll see as a niner fan i'm feeling pretty good so good that you'll be hearing from me about uh killers corner killers when we 
get down to it. Still no drop this week, though, so don't hold your breath. Anyway, how did week four go in case you... uh, What, do you live under a rock? Well, if you do, if you do live under a rock, we got Mike Evans, who came out of the game briefly. He had a a hand injury not considered serious. He's likely going to be fine to shred the Saints secondary. Saquon is highly confident he'll be back much sooner than later. We'll see. Uh, Trubisky went out. If you see the photo, he really landed on that shoulder, kind of awkward. Um, so major upgrade for any Bears wide receivers, if anybody's paying attention there. Definite waiver wire targets, although Wednesday morning a lot of people's waivers are have already gone through. Double check. If anybody dropped a Bears wide receiver, Chase Daniels is more accurate and a better play caller. Or not caller. Uh, he executes better. Which is both a meme and also sadly true. Um you got Marlon Mack, who uh, went out early in that Indianapolis Colts game, and I think just as a precaution, they held him out. Um, I'm blank as late as it is. I'm blanking on how that game script kind of went. Um, eesh, trying to figure out briefly for you here if I can. Wow, fantasy app not in the moment is trash. All right, so I'll move on. Jarvis Landry had a concussion, but that's after he balled out for you, so I wouldn't be too pissed. Yeah, the Colts, the Colts were uh, were coming from behind a bit, so I'm not surprised that they chose to continue to hold him out, as he is not necessarily quite the Naeem's Hine, Naeem Hines level of uh, incorporation into their passing game there. Anywho, uh, you got Hawkinson, who had a, a, apparently just a massive car crash of a, of a collision on the field. He was carted off. They're optimistic, but that, to me, is a multi-week concussion protocol, if not other injuries to be had. He has avoided the IR, which is cool, I guess. I mean, you're not starting him. That's the, that's the baseline there. Josh Allen was hit hard during the uh, Bills New England game. I mean, like slammed. I I doubt there'll be any after effects, but if you see him pop up on in the injury report, that's what that is. Bit of news that's not injury related. Uh, Dwayne Haskins Jr. the third or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's Jr. was put in for Case Keenum. Um. That's obviously due to play. Uh, No more injuries, it sounds like, in Washington. Fingers crossed. Uh, That's going to be interesting to watch. See who he tends to look to first. I hear a lot of rumblings from other podcasters far more skilled than I talking about uh, Terry McLaurin's closeness, or I think maybe it's a collegiate connection there. Who knows? I'd be watching. Uh, do your own digging. I'm not handing anybody in my own league any free advice, but uh, I'm I'm not I'm not clear on that one there. T. Y. Hilton was out week four, uh, which you would probably have noticed if you played fantasy at all. So sorry for the duh, but it's looking like he will be likely to return week five. Now that was kind of the narrative going into week four, so. Watch it closely. 
Uh, Tyreek is probably still looking at one to two more weeks. That was the latest report I got Monday. Melvin Gordon returned, was active, saw nothing, which to me says that they were literally just trying to throw off the game script going into that game. They wanted the other team to have to prepare, whatever. Stardom this week is all I'm going to say, because unless they choose to, uh, to bench him or cut him or trade him, whatever they think about doing, um, there's to me there's little to no chance that if he is handed the ball he's effective whilst watching what uh, austin eckler has been doing in that backfield and no offense eckler is not nearly the uh, the talent we had uh rashad penny and vance mcdonald obviously not on the same team or position but they were each out this last week and they are listed as likely to return week five however vance mcdonald has been I won't say replaced. Tight end is a difficult position to learn, but when they traded for uh, Nick Vanette, that to me said that either A, Vance McDonald, they might have held him longer out, you know what I'm saying? Or they just wanted to start running some two tight end sets out there in Pittsburgh, seeing as Juju was kind of smothered pretty much every game. Um, and of course... As always, watch your bye weeks. This week is the Lions and the Dolphins, so don't start either of those. Uh, I guess what I'll say is um, don't ever start any Dolphins, so if you are, that's a totally different problem. Um, I assume that that's kind of no shit at this point. I can't devote every players who sucked segment to a dolphin, uh, mostly because their their projections are so low that even if they hit half, we're talking one to two points. Uh, I'm being unfair. I I literally just don't pay enough attention to the dolphins to care, except for when my defense plays them. Go New England. Uh, all right. So speaking of players who sucked, we uh, we have quite a few. You suck. So we had Adrian Peterson drop you 2.8. That's that's not what you expect from, from AP. Uh, Mecole Hardman, bit boomer bust as it is, but I don't think negative 0.1 is on the spectrum of expectations. That's basement. Uh, you had DeAndre Hopkins, who's kind of been dragging your team a bit. 4.6 points. DeAndre Hopkins is a perfect buy-low candidate right now. He is literally, I think, three out of four weeks missed, uh, like busted, according to to uh, ESPN's Watson rankings or what have you, where it takes the reasonable expectation on a bell curve and the extremes are the bust or the, the boom. Anywho, great buy-low candidate. So if you're listening to this early in the morning... Before Christian has a chance in our league, who owns D-Hop, before Christian has a chance to listen to this podcast and hear me tell you all that he is a buy-low candidate, try to buy him low. You got OBJ, who dropped you three points. Kind of characteristic of uh, Baker Mayfield not playing at his best. OBJ's not holding the value he, he had in... Uh, I was about to say New England. In New York, since he's moved over to Cleveland... That just might be a little bit of love loss. Uh, you know, maybe 
maybe uh, they should take a page out of Sam Darnold's book and just start kissing a bit more. Get, get much closer. Let's see here. Uh, Greg Olson got you 1.5, not what you needed. Adam Thielen, 1.6. And in case anybody didn't hear it, I don't have a drop with it, but go listen to Adam Thielen's post-game interview where he just he roasts play calling and uh, Kirk Cousins' ability or inability to do anything with the ball that isn't throw it out of bounds or fumble it. It's delightful. Because I was listening to some stat that Adam Thielen's at like an eighth of the receptions and a quarter of the yards that he had last year by week four. Just wild. And like last year was a boom year for Thielen, but when you have that kind of talent between him and Diggs, you'd think that they could do a lot more with it, but apparently not. They're sitting at two and two. Anywho, a rare appearance on my Players Who Sucked segment for a defense, Baltimore, a particularly stout defense, gave you negative six. Fun. You had Sammy Watkins drop you 4.9. Not not enough. Not enough for a, quote, wide receiver one filling in for Tyreek for another two weeks. I won't say a buy low candidate, but uh, damn, that's not a good situation. Whoever has Tyreek on their roster, well, roster, on their bench, be happy. Be happy that there's not chemistry growing between Sammy Watkins and... Uh, Mahomes. God, I can't believe that escaped me. Moving on, Tom Brady, 3.7. A brilliant performance by the Bills' defensive core, making Tom Brady look like a dawdling old man, which he is. So that's an improvement for the Bills. Normally normally that's not really something you get to say. You had uh, Hollywood Brown, I believe Marquise Brown, 4.2. Not what you've been getting. Josh Allen only gave you 8.7. That's due to, I think I counted, four turnovers, three turnovers. You had Dak Prescott, only 9.6. That's uh, not going to help him negotiate that multi-million dollar deal. And uh, amongst the higher position players on this list, but still worth noting, Julio Jones only gave you 7.3 points, and it's just... Not enough. It's not enough. You had in that list DeAndre Hopkins, OBJ, Adam Thielen, and Julio Jones. And if you want to count Sammy Watkins in there at the moment due to the absence of Tyreek Hill, that makes five wide receiver ones giving you nothing. So if you're ballsy, like I said, some of those might be by low picks. Explore your options. I guess uh, we have our match of the week popping up here. No way. I am not giving up. You have to. No, I don't. That is... I need a much better drop than that. Or if I'm going to have a drop like that, it needs to be much more explosive. I I literally can't even wait for that drop to finish before to, the need to start talking arises. So, anywho, our match of the week, I'm going to tell you, I I literally was so tickled when I saw that the gods of randomized schedule planning for ESPN had treated the entirety of our league to this 
just chef's kiss of a matchup are two winless teams playing each other. Jace and Christian. The best part is neither one would really come out a winner even if they won because it meant that the only team they've defeated was literally a team that was the worst in our league. So being who I am, I naturally was praying the entire weekend that it was Jace. And to be honest, going into Sunday night, and projections are only projections, but going into Sunday night, the end of the games, Jace was projected three points the, the under of Christian. So he was going to miss Christian's projection by three points. Now, Christian in the Bengals-Pittsburgh game had only Joe Mixon and about, I want to say, a 10-point lead at that point. But Jace had James Conner and the Pittsburgh defense. So literally, all it would have taken was a big run and a touchdown and Christian would have been just solidified. He would have had the defense drop, mix and go up, etc. He he basically needed maybe 12 to 15 from Mixon. Uh, because, as you know, the defense would have had to have dropped equivalently to whatever the... I mean, not necessarily. I'm going to get people who are going to complain about that. But on a game without copious amounts of pick sixes offensive players go well defense will drop so i'll be honest when i started to watch the game and i didn't watch much of it it was just so exciting um i was really sad i was sad because in a way i didn't want either of these two people to win and i definitely didn't want it to be what did happen, which if the projection was Jace losing by three points, Jace won by about 28 when James Conner balled out and Pittsburgh D gave exactly what you'd expect against a team as ineffective as the Bengals. And as a result, of course, Joe Mixon had like seven or eight points, which is, to be honest, not bad for Joe Mixon, which is really sad to say. Um... But man, I found myself just praying towards the end of the game that something would happen. And they, the only way that that could have been a better matchup of our two winless teams is if they both somehow tied. And they not only went winless, but they, that they, they both would go winless even against the worst of the worst. So, oh well, it's over now. And Jace is going to tell us all about how last year he started off one and three and he's going to come back and this is the start and blah blah and so now we have to deal with that so thanks a lot christian i literally cannot be any more disappointed in you and that's actually a perfect transition into our i have regrets segment which actually doesn't have anything to do with jace or christian although their season so far is probably pretty full of regrets no um well, let's just be honest. Michael, 
90% of the time I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. So that drops not just for Michael, but it's also for all of you out there who decided to have not one, but two Philadelphia running backs. Thinking of Jordan Howard as the, you know, like, jaunty older companion in a cop comedy duo with uh, Miles Sanders there in Philadelphia. But let's be, let's be very clear. We've had multiple years of watching what Philadelphia under Doug Peterson does with their running back, running back position. There is no running back one in that backfield. So, the regerts is that by week four, because there never will be, and never has been, and never is, a clear running back one in Philadelphia... Mike lost because he played Miles Sanders, the young, the jovial Miles Sanders. I don't even know if he's jovial. I just ran out of descriptors. He played him. And owning Jordan Howard did what anybody who has owned Jordan Howard in the last three seasons has ever done and put him on the bench. So it's one thing. That, that bench regret you get when you play, you know, oh, this guy's got a better matchup, but I want the floor, and oh, this is a, you know, you make you make your decisions based on how good you think your matchup is and how much you need to, to, to hit a real big boom versus just hit your floor. But when it's literally the same backfield and it's a coin toss, that's just on you. I'm sorry, Michael. I would say sell Jordan High, Jordan Howard, but that's not possible. Nothing in Philadelphia should be sold high or low, or it, it's just what it is. So I'm sad to say, but you are probably stuck with them until you drop them. But you can't drop them because the value is too good in case one of them pops off or the other one gets injured. But then guess what? They'll have a new version of Wendell Smallwood, or they'll have a new Darren Darren Sproles. So old, I'm already forgetting his first name. I mean, like, it. Uh, it's never going to be good. Doug Peterson has never said, for more than a game or two at a time, this is my guy. And with that, I conclude my monologue. Sorry, Michael, that you're stuck with that, but I'm not too sorry because I have to play you eventually, and that's just a great fucking thing to watch somebody struggle with. Is it Howard? Is it Sanders? Is it Howard? Is it Sanders? It's never who you think it is. Anyway, moving on to a segment that yet has no drop because I'm a lazy fuck and I like my weekends, especially after this new job started. But Killer's corner killers that's right last week it was killer corners i think but this week it's corner killers and why is that well because going into the monday night game of this coming week five my 49ers are going to be playing the cleveland browns now the cleveland browns are not known as being a particularly stout secondary however couple that with the fact that they're top three 
downfield being Denzel Ward, Morgan Burnett as strong safety, and Greedy Williams, which is just like, that is a name. They are all dealing with leg injuries, hammies and uh, quadriceps. And uh, mm, the reason to me that this is corner killers, I mean, like every team's got a couple of beaten up defensive players. That's not news. And they're questionable, not out. But if you're not at 100% and you're going up against Marquise Goodwin, the actual fastest player in the league right now, based on a head-to-head competition that all the players had at some combine or something i'll find the film if anybody wants to ask about it and then you have rookie debo samuel also a bit of a barn burner i i just i think it's prime for if garoppolo can get his passes where they need to be you're gonna have some big plays you get behind them by a step or two just drop the ball in so I, this is my corner killers with an asterisk, simply meaning uh, with good quarterback play, good protection, this should be an interesting, an interesting game. It'll be, I think, one of the first tests for the 49ers defense, but it will be an even better test for Jimmy Garoppolo's accuracy and field vision in terms of watching his guys get loose, so... Put a pin in it. I dare say, just to be reflective on this new segment, I I have been uh, very unofficially keeping track of how these have been going. And I want to say I've been doing all right. Uh, I don't have all of the previous podcast uh, scripts or notes, if you will, in front of me. But... I know that um, I know that I've been pretty pleased with the results that I've been looking at as I reflect on it. I guess what I'm saying is I feel pretty good about it, but of course there's a reason why there is a segment at the bottom of every show doc called Contested Catch, and it's because I welcome being wrong. Like, literally, let me have it. Tell me. Uh... I don't mind. I'm doing this for y'all and to get better. So let's do it. We got uh, an additional segment here, a segment that has been long missed. And uh, I think you'll all be quite excited for who I got to talk to. Phoning it in. Yeah, it's nobody. Yeah. Yep. It was it was a weekend. It was a weird weekend. So um Nah, fuck it. There's no excuse. I've been a lazy ass. So uh I'm going to get some of those working for you. And I also conveniently enough also phoning it in. Phoned in the commish segment, which is probably a good narrative in itself. I at times, when I'm creating this podcast, creating fun things for the league, I try to do too much. I have big ideas. Anybody who knows me would tell you I'm definitely an idea guy. 
and execution usually is like, ah, oh, yeah, 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 I'll execute that. Yeah, let's finish it. Uh, let's finish what, what, like next week? Yeah, 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 that sounds great. And then I'll just never get around to it. Uh, I would be lying if I said that was something I'm working on. I like being an ideas guy. It's kind of fun. It's fun being the like, oh shit, how'd you think of that? That's kind of cool, which nobody ever says to me because my ideas aren't that great, but I like to pretend. You know, like I have this mental image of myself as like a Don Draper type. Uh, you know, something just flows out of my mouth perfectly and everyone loves it and buys it. And anyway, the the the, the purpose of this self-analysis is just sometimes you got to give yourself a break. Uh, sometimes you got to know what's worth it. You know, if you have 12 listeners on average, are they all really going to miss a segment or two for a few episodes? Yeah, maybe they'll give you shit for it in your Facebook Messenger group chat. Uh, maybe they'll try to reach out to you directly on Twitter. Whatever it is, I... I know that as myself, a commissioner, I'd rather get called out because it inspires me to keep doing it. Um, but take care of yourself. Holy shit. This one, this is also a, a great note for when you have players who openly or privately discuss the need to step away from fantasy. I think we all understand how difficult life is. Life gets in the way of things. I'm a firm believer in... I don't want somebody who's been a part of our league to leave and then I refill their position and then they finally get their shit together and then come back. And that's mostly because by then either this new person has established themselves or we've all gotten very close. There can be a number of reasons why that person is a permanent fit. And then you're talking about booting someone new or someone else. The point is, is it's much easier to have somebody who can't necessarily give it their all uh because they're taking care of themselves for a season something's going wrong something's rough they're abroad but it is appreciated that they can still be there even if it's setting their lineup even if it's chiming in here and there shit talking just when they beat a good team it a little goes a long way and i don't think that Anybody who you'd want to be playing competitively with or betting a few dollars on or what have you, um, nobody should really give a fuck if you're doing it for your health or for your mental health or for whichever level of self-care you're doing it for. It's, it's really realistically not worth stress or... I don't know, lack of sleep. Anyway, I'm getting long in the tooth on this one, but uh, in the interest of saving myself and getting a little sleep, I'm going to cut it a little shorter of a podcast this week. I will be throwing together an interview this weekend, and that's not talk. And, uh, well, best of luck on the waiver wire pickups that you all have already seen who you got and who you didn't because this is coming out on a Wednesday morning and that kind of sucks for all y'all anyway but otherwise happy Wednesday y'all
in a fire that come be On a hippie trail head full of zombies I met a strange lady, she made me nervous 